0: So today, I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth. It builds a fairer economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed. And it's going to create the strongest, most resilient, innovative economy in the world.
1: Hey, hey, it's Leanne, your host of Moneda Moves, and you were just listening to President Biden's announcement on the $2.7 trillion American Jobs Plan. He called it a -a once-in-a-generation investment in America, the largest American jobs investment since World War II. The details of the plan are still coming to light, but elements include childcare, paid family leave, even investing in community college. Here's our question. What will this plan and Biden's administration plans at large mean for Latinx folks, and how will Biden work to get our communities back to work? We spoke with 35th U.S. Secretary Chamber of Commerce and CEO of reskilling tech company Empath, Carlos Gutierrez, in our most recent episode for his assessment. A big shout out to journalist-based group Meet La Prensa, a new YouTube channel spotlighting Latinx and reporters of color. We did this episode in partnership with them. Now on to this week's episode, No Te Lo Quieres Perder. I am the host of Manila Mousli and Alfar. And joining us today is the 35th Secretary of the U.S. Department of Commerce, Carlos Gutierrez, also CEO and Chairman of the tech and reskilling company Empath. Thank you for being with us here today.
0: Pleasure. Good to see you.
1: Likewise. Now, today we want to discuss a couple of issues, among them, getting our workforce, employable workforce, back to work, the Latinx community and a $2.7 trillion jobs plan proposed by the Biden administration. So we're going to start with just that. Can you give us your assessment just from your experience and what you've observed in the last year and a half as the pandemic has unfolded? What is this jobs plan doing, um, and will it effectively get our workforce back to work?
0: Well, I think the, uh, the, the small business part is a lot more targeted, a lot more effective than the plan last year because it does focus on small businesses uh 10 employees or less um you know businesses who are really struggling who don't have the infrastructure i think last year a lot of money just fell through the cracks and went to higher bigger businesses businesses that didn't need it and my understanding is this time it's going to be a lot more targeted and that is a huge advantage
1: had the ppp loan rollout, the first one which as we saw, actually ended up helping quite a lot of larger businesses and didn't get communities of color. Can you give us your insights on that?
0: Yeah, I think part of the problem with the PPP last year was the timing. Uh, there was an assumption last year that, that COVID would go away in July. So uh, the, uh, the, 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 the PPP was sort of uh, targeted to last until July. The problem is that consumers weren't going to stores, weren't going to shopping, and uh, in July, COVID was still uh, running loose. I, I think there is more targeted to small businesses. I think there's a total reluctance, and 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 everyone wants to avoid giving money to businesses who don't need it. Um, there is a target to small businesses um, of people of color from uh, that belong for, uh, to people of color, which I've seen in, in writing and some of the materials. So I, I think the, their heart is in the right place. Obviously these things are so big and they're so complex to execute that it, now it does come back to the execution. But I think the heart, their heart is in the right place and the spirit of the plan is right.
1: And now just kind of taking a closer look at, at SBA, we have Isabel Guzman in charge what do you think are the steps that uh, that she's What what is her approach right now with the Latinx community, which she ha- has very close to her vest? And also, what, what do you think are the steps that need to be taken to immediately help these businesses that I mean, at the top of the pandemic, they were surveyed. A lot of them expected to shutter if they didn't get the support that they needed.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it is targeting. And this is a large country. There are a lot of small businesses. Where do you start? Um, It is a fact that Hispanics, Latins, create small businesses faster than the national average. So if you're going to help small businesses, that means that your money will go disproportionately to Latino businesses. Because on a per capita basis, there are more Latino businesses than there are any other type of businesses so i i hope that they're targeting they have the information to target but they should be disproportionately spending their money on latin businesses because Mm. there are latin businesses
1: no and i and i can see your point there definitely so that stat that you're referencing it's 34 percent of new small business generation from the latinx population we've seen um Latinx business encounter is that they don't get these uh, large sums of capital that they need from big banks in particular. Um, yeah. it, and, and so we were just having this conversation on Mi La Prensa the other day with another reporter at CNBC, Brandon Gomez. You know, uh, Latinx community is in an interesting uh, kind of fork in the road right now where the question is, can do they keep pushing to try to get capital from these uh from these banks, from these big banks, or do they crowdsource on their own? Um, wh- what do you see the landscape looking like in terms of getting capital in order to scale?
0: I think you have to do both. Uh, you know, you can't discard anything, and I think we have to continue insisting on banks. And, uh, boy, if our credit uh, is is worthy, um, then I think we should continue to push. Crowdsourcing is another example. There are potential some angel investors, there are potential some venture capitalists, who actually want to uh, steer money towards this direction. So I would look everywhere. I wouldn't focus on one thing. I would try every single option and not give up until one of them works. Hmm. You mentioned new businesses. And I think that is really the key that, that our economy really thrives, not just on small businesses, but new businesses. New businesses are the ones that drive growth in the future. New businesses, and and many times, become large businesses. So uh, that's a very interesting statistic about the number of new uh, Latino businesses.
1: Definitely. And I think we are waiting on new stats during the pandemic because it's obviously been quite a distinct time. Those are stats from right up leading up to the pandemic. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how, how that has shifted. Now, you yourself, you're an entrepreneur. Can you tell us a little bit more about the company which rescales companies' workforces?
0: Well, what we're doing is we use a very sophisticated form of machine learning uh, to use a company's data to identify employee skills. So we are at the stage where we're creating the future of work. And we believe the future of work is individual targeted development plans not generic plans where you send everyone to receive the same course Um, instead of having performance reviews that are anecdotal and subjective uh, we think the conversation will change to uh, skills and how can a company help an employee improve their skills and it will be a democratic uh, a, a conversation because the subject matter expert on skills is the employee. When we infer skills for an employee, it is the employee who says yes, they're right or no, they're wrong. So a very big change to uh, the future of work. We also see the future of work as being one that is transparent. Every employee can see their skills on a screen And they can click on a job and see what skills are required and then see what they need to do to get to that job. So a very different environment than today. And I believe that millennials uh, want that. They want to be empowered. They want the information. They don't want to rely on their boss to tell them what they're good at and what they're not. Um, So this is a revolution and the corporate uh, system for developing and managing people is going to go through a revolution over the next 10 years, uh, and beyond. And we are in a position to lead that.
1: We're definitely right here at, at, at the frontier of a new era. And I think the pandemic has only accelerated that as we've seen it's pushed people to be more digital again, the need for reskilling is here. What I think is interesting is that your company targets, not just. Not, not people who may have left the workforce, but before before they even reach the possibility of having to leave a workforce because they don't have the skills to continue or to shift around their company. So yeah. what positions or what kind of employees do you feel stand to the most to gain from this kind of reskilling opportunity?
0: Well, we, we go inside a company, the employees are in the company. So there are times when uh, a company will go outside to hire someone, but they don't know they have a person with those skills inside the company. You know, today the the corporate, the the corporate world, the corporate workplace, is not a very friendly place. Over eighty percent of HRO of HR executives say that performance management systems don't work. Twenty five percent turnover, and that was twenty eight percent before COVID. And each person can cost the company up to $50,000. So if you take that down by five points, 10 points, by making your employees happier, by letting them know that they're being developed, by being transparent with their skills, that would save a company millions of dollars. Today, job satisfaction in the corporate workplace is an average of 13%. That is an embarrassing number and our role, our mission, what we call our revolution is to change that, to change the corporate workplace to make it friendly and make it pro-employee. Too many times we say our most important asset is our employee, our people, but our numbers and our actions don't reflect that.
1: Hmm. No, that, that, that's a really good point, especially as we look at the future of corporate here. Now, Secretary Chairs, we were speaking the other day, and you shared a very interesting statistic. You said instead of staying within the company, companies all sometimes go, often go outside and outsource things. Um, you shared the twenty-five percent stat, and I believe that that was twenty-five percent of the work staying inside, right? Yes.
0: Yeah, so, so twenty-five percent of their people every year.
1: Right. That that is a a jaw-dropping statistic, it's quite fact- honestly, because think that so much work is being outsourced, and there's also a lack of efficiency there too.
0: You know, the other thing too that is important for, for, for Latins uh, and, and diverse uh, communities is that our, our inferencing machine learning uh, technology is totally unbiased, so we don't use resumes. Uh, we just use data that is inside the company that that uh, prevents a an an outcome that is biased. so for example if you look at someone's resume you can tell obviously where they were born you can tell their age you can tell their gender and you may be able to tell the color of their skin our machine learning does not even touch that so there is no bias and what we're trying to do is present skills uh in a way that are unbiased and and very uh frequently and i would say in a way that is unconsciously biased um minorities latinos are rated lower and Mm -hmm. and machine learning we eliminate any of that bias which puts people on an even playing field you know today there's Mm -hmm. too much there's just too much emphasis you know diplomas will always be important Diplomas are a way of gaining skills, but there are thousands of people who may not have a diploma or may not have a diploma in the right uh, university, but who have high potential. And what they need is to be identified and to be developed.
1: Well, one of the most desirable skills for a lot of these companies is the ability to be trainable. And so this certainly does speak to that. The, the, The people who can be trained will most benefit from a service like this. I kind of want to take a step back and talk about um, the the people that have been laid off in the last year lost jobs and, of course, the mass exodus of women, women of color in particular from the workforce. What are the checkpoints that you envision that it'll take to get these folks the opportunity to even work at these kind of corporate environments?
0: Yeah, I, I think we have to look at our total system. So we at Empath are part of a system that Keeps people thriving inside companies. Make sure they can upskill, they can reskill, uh, depending on new technology is coming into the company. But the government has to be involved uh, to also have upskilling centers for people who have lost their job. Or the uh, education uh, sector has to be involved. What we need to realize, and we don't talk enough about this, uh, Leanne, we. We don't talk enough about the fact that technology is going to displace millions and millions of jobs over the next years. Uh, That is. Undoubtable. And as as a country, we're not talking about it. Uh, We're talking about a lot of things. And it's very good that, you know, in, in, in the new stimulus plan, there's a paragraph on training. Well, a paragraph is nice, but I don't know what that means. I think we have to do something on a national scale and prepare people for what is coming. Because we can find ourselves in a recession, a very large recession, because so many people are out of work. But it's happening. It's coming. And we see it, but we're not doing much. And I think the federal government has to play a bigger role.
1: Speaking of the government, I wanted to hear your take on this tweet uh, that was released just last in the last week from Secretary Janet Yellen. It was part of a bigger chain just reacting to who has been impacted by the pandemic the most, among them the Latino, Latino community, of course. She wrote, I took my first economics course around 1963. Since then, our country has endured at least five major economic crises. Each of these crises was very different, but they all shared at least one significant characteristic. They all hit the Latino Americans disproportionately hard.
0: Yeah, you know, what it, it, it's really a shame. You it, take like during COVID, Uh, The people who were working were uh, Latinos and African-Americans and others who have lower level jobs. Uh, They were considered uh, essential workers. Uh, But when it's time to cut jobs, uh, usually the people in uh, at the bottom or going towards the middle ranks are the ones who are cut. I'm not saying that Latinos are always at the bottom because when you give Latinos time, they move to the top. And we have a lot of Latino CEOs and a lot of Latina, very prominent uh, Latino executives. But Latinos who have just started, who have come to this country, who are starting to work, they start at the bottom. But those are the jobs that very often are either easier to, uh, to eliminate or harder to make ends meet because they're paid uh, too low. So yes, mm-hmm. Latinos, La- La- Latinos feel the effect uh, immediately uh, because of their position in companies. And look, I, you can speculate, but is there bias in who is let go? I don't know, I don't wanna speculate, but I think that's also something that, that should be explored. We can do that with our products. We, we we can guarantee that um if you're letting someone go who's Latino, you can you can see their skills and, and and ask why are you letting go of those skills instead of someone else who doesn't have those skills, but they may be of a different color. So again, I think a lot of a lot of this new technology will be a game changer and will allow um bias to be taken out of of, of employee assessment.
1: So question for you on that, do you think technology can solve uh, for some of these biases that we've seen in, in these companies or, or will that kind of bias training need to become a more integral part of equipping leadership at these corporate companies?
0: Yeah, I think, look, uh, bias training is important. I've, I've been, I can't tell you how many bias training seminars I've been to and how many presentations I've received about how companies are going to improve diversity and inclusion. They're going to do a better job of hiring. They're going to do a better job of, of making people aware of, of unconscious bias. Uh, they're going to have a better environment. But in the end, the numbers haven't improved. The only actionable thing that I have heard and this is not uh, an advertisement, is what we do. We infer skills. We identify skills without any bias. So when a supervisor is looking at skills or when a job requires certain skills, it could well be that it's Latino who has those skills. There is no bias because the skills are right there in front of everyone. And uh, so, yes, we believe technology is a big part of uh, of of leveling the playing field. As you say, managers have to be uh, they have to be made aware. They have to they have to be conscious of bias, but the information will be there and the information will be in unrefutable, 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 and they'll have to you know defend that.
1: Well, technology is certainly part of our future. That's for sure. And what I also agree with you on is that those numbers have not shifted nearly enough, not in wages uh, across the board or in, so, in those are two things that uh, that definitely need a lot of work, uh, both from corporate, but also, as you said, government needs to step in.
0: You know, there, there are companies, a lot of companies are they do OK at the middle management level. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the vice president and above, that's where you see the real gap. And again, if you have the skills of all your middle management employees, and you can see the match to vice president jobs, you can see the match to VP jobs. And there are many minorities that are very close in terms of a match to a job. Uh, The company can go in, have a targeted development program and make sure that that Latin, the Latino, the Hispanic American, the uh, the, the African-American is ready for that job. So I think for once we have an actionable plan that, that can train people for higher level jobs instead of just you know words that have good intention.
1: Well, we'll certainly be tracking empaths work, Secretary Gutierrez. Now, as part of one of the moves, we always like to wrap with a little bit more of a personal question. And in particular, I would like to ask you about your biggest learning around money um, as somebody who is Latinx, part of the Latino community.
0: Oh, my goodness, around money. I'll tell you, money is um, is a motivator. You know, it makes people feel secure. Um, I think some people sleep better at night knowing that they're going to have more money a year from now than they have today. And, And all of that is part of our society. Uh, I will tell you this, that um, it doesn't make a person's life and um, at the end of the day, what you do, the satisfaction you get from it, the reward you get from it, the feeling of accomplishment you get for it is worth more than than strictly going for the money.
1: I was 35th secretary. U.S. of U.S. Department of Commerce, Secretary Carlos Gutierrez. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Monal Moves and Meet La Prensa.